In those days, uh, this is a reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. What a saviour, what a friend, what a glorious mystery we've just been singing. That word saviour, what a saviour, that was the word used by the angels on that cold Bethlehem hillside 2,000 years ago to describe the baby that had just been born in verse 11 of our reading. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. That is a rescuer, someone who saves us. That's the greatest gift this Christmas. doesn't matter what's under the tree, whether it's toys or spa vouchers or gold watches or new iPhones or other technology. The greatest gift is very much that saviour born so long ago and still offering rescue now. And we'll think for a few minutes now just about how great his salvation And his rescue really is. But first, we need to open the final door on our Advent calendar. Um, Does anybody remember what we've been doing the last few weeks going through our Advent calendar? We've been using this Advent calendar for so long now, we've actually lost half of it, would you believe it? I've got people behind me today as well, so I've got to show them as well. Almost burnt the whole thing just then, so there we go. So uh, we've been having a few letters, haven't we? So we started off with an A. Who was our first A? Does anyone in the house remember the first A leading us up towards Jesus? Yeah? Shout it out. Adam. Adam. Adam was our first A. Then we had another A, didn't we? Who was our second A? Abraham. 
thank you. Abraham, wonderful. Yes. And then, does anyone remember what our third letter was? We can't even see it now. What was our third letter? Was this an M? No. I think it was M. It was M. What was the M? Moses. Moses. Okay. So, we remember our, our Old Testament characters leading us up towards Jesus on the first half. So, we've had A-A-M. And now we want to the ones we can actually see. We had a D. We had a D. What was the D? Shout it out, anybody? David. I've heard of David. Yeah, so we had David there in our Advent calendar, leading us up towards Jesus. And then last week, the last Sunday of Advent, we had an E. Who was our E? There's a hand right in the back. You want to shout right from the back? Elijah. Excellent. Thank you very much. That's right. We had Elijah. Now, would you believe it? This morning... I was saying to the rector, what should we have on our um, advent calendar? He said, well, I don't know, what should we put behind our last window? <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite... What, what letter should we put on our wi- last window on Christmas Day, do you think? I think it should be um, a J. There we go, you've got a J. What's the J? Last person we're leading up towards. The mighty saviour. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you so much for helping us out there, Freddie. There we go. Okay, so that's our complete Advent calendar out. We've led all the way up towards Jesus with Old Testament characters. And we're going to be thinking a little bit this morning now about that last window. Who behind the last window? Jesus himself. Well, just cast your mind back to that chilly Bethlehem hillside that we have seen in our reading, where those shepherds were. Think about what it might have been like for them when they heard about the birth of that J, the birth of Jesus. When I was younger, I did used to go camping a little bit. It's quite a a cheap way of travelling when you're a penniless student, going just under canvas or under plastic, uh, going to uh, camp out on the holidays or music music festivals. Uh, I must say, though, I never did that in winter. Far too chilly. I just stuck to nice summer months where... Even in Britain, you've got a decent chance of having some warm-ish weather, some dry-ish weather for your camping. But those shepherds, 2,000 years ago, they were camping out in winter on the Bethlehem hillsides. They had to because it was for their work, not because for their holidays. They were keeping an eye on the sheep, protecting them from thieves, stopping them from wandering off on their own into the wilderness, ensuring they had enough pasturage and food, and pulling them out of the entanglements that stupid sheep can so often get themselves into. That sounds like pretty hard work, and pretty cold work as well in winter. But you know what? Those shepherds were part of a very long heritage of Bethlehem shepherds doing exactly that sort of work. They'd been there for a long time. And that heritage went back, you know, a thousand years to a shepherd called David, one of those characters we saw, in fact, on our calendar leading up towards Jesus. He, that second king of Israel, he had been a shepherd on those same hillsides a thousand years before. So maybe that was a bit of a consolation to those shepherds on that chilly hillside. But the night we we were reading about, there were no kings there initially, and it was probably a night like very much any other for the previous thousand years. They perhaps went on a bit of a, a rotation, a night shift rotation, And it probably would have been a pretty silent night, not like Shelford. We've got the Duxford airfield with planes zooming overhead and uh, trains going past the train line and the M11 roaring past us. It's not very silent here. 
But uh, there in Bethlehem, it probably was a silent night for them, and they were settling down into their shift rotation. But then, into that silence of an ordinary Bethlehem night, we read in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'd be terrified too. I'm, I'm scared enough if the postman turns up unexpectedly at the front door. And must say, these days, the postman turning up is quite a surprise, isn't it? But, um, you know, even I'm just sitting, sitting at a house and the postman turns up, that gives me a bit of a fright. I think if I was sitting in my tent, it'd be even worse if the postman turned up there. Well, how much more for those shepherds on the hillside, a messenger from heaven turning up and giving them a message there? And so they were terrified. But verse 10, the angel said to them, do not, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. News often has a habit of being bad, bad news. We're so used to bad news. We turn on the telly or the radio or open the newspaper or the internet. And 2022 has had its fair share, I think we'd all say, of bad news. Um, Topping it all, Russian invasion of Ukraine, very bad news. But then we've also had the death of Queen Elizabeth, had three prime ministers, turmoil at number 10, rampant inflation, rising fuel prices, lots of bad news. And I think 0 AD, back when these shepherds were on their hillside, probably the same, lots of bad news then as well. Roman Empire invading some province nearby, politics going up and down in Jerusalem, local prices for wool for their sheep going down, the toilets. So a relief to those shepherds to hear not more bad news, but good news. I bring you good news. And it was better than that, because this is good news of great joy. And that sounds like the best sort of news you could possibly receive. This is what it was, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Wow. A saviour. That sounds good, the shepherds probably thought to themselves. There's lots of bad things, lots of bad news in the world happening. Wonderful to have a saviour, a rescuer. There's wars going on, selfishness, famine, death, salvation from those things. That sounds good. And they're probably thinking particularly about the Roman Empire, salvation from them, rising up, raising our wool taxes and so on. That would be wonderful. But this baby, this Jay, who was born behind our last window, he would go on to say, my kingdom is not of this world. And so his salvation, his rescue, is not simply from the things of this world, terrible though they are. Rather, his salvation is from something much more terrible. That is, from God's just judgment. And that's a a bigger problem for the shepherds, a bigger problem for all of us sitting here today than wars and famines and poverty and disease. Those things cause misery in life, as we've seen abundantly this year across the world. And we certainly need to resist them and pray against them. But you know, God's just judgment, those consequences last not just for life, but forever in eternity. And the good news is, there is a saviour from that. Good news of great joy. 
We don't understand how great the gift of Jesus is until we understand quite how bad our predicament is. Families across the world will be gathering today to celebrate for Christmas lunch. Hope your turkey's in the oven. Ours is already. And it's going to be a wonderful time to reconnect with relatives all over the place. Intergenerational bonding going across, as we can see in the church today, wonderfully. Memory-making happening right, left, and center. Sadly, some families will not be quite as harmonious as all that, and it could be for them a slightly more difficult day. And we certainly pray for healing and for restoration where that is the case. More sadly still, there might be some families that actually won't see each other at all this Christmas, some, some individuals who may be left on their own. Imagine not seeing one's own father where they're still alive for Christmas. Not because he didn't want to come to you or because he didn't want to ring you up, but because you refused to invite him and refused to visit him and refused to call him up. That that sort of child-father breakdown, that relationship breakdown, that can happen where the father himself is cruel or neglectful or spiteful or unpleasant towards an in-law. But how much worse if that refusal, that rejection of a father is actually given against a kind and loving and compassionate parent, a generous parent who always wanted the best for his child, who doted on them, who loved them, who gave them many lovely gifts year after year, who always protected them, who continues to selflessly support them through the various needs of life. Just imagine the rejection of a parent like that. And imagine it was compounded and and made worse by the child pretending that all the good things, all the wonderful things they had, they'd earned by themselves, they'd got from their own ingenuity. Well, that's starting to feel like quite an ugly mood at the Christmas dinner table. But imagine, just for a second, it gets worse again, that this ungrateful, spiteful child is actually feasting in the house that's owned by the father, the big, nice family home they grew up in, which they've chopped their parents out of, and to which the father still owns legal title. And I must say, as generous and as long-suffering and forbearing as that father sounds, there's only so many rejections And there's only so many refusals to communicate and unreturned calls that will last until he will take action. And I think we'd all agree he would be completely right and just to do so. All of us here, I'm sure, would counsel that child to just say sorry. Just be reconciled to your father. Give them a ring. Have him over for Christmas lunch. Give him a room in his own house, in his own old age. But the bad news is that all of us have at times treated God, our Father, in that way. There have been moments and decisions in life where we've said, no, I don't want you to be part of this that I've got going on. But the wonderful good news of great joy is that there is a saviour from the consequences of that rejection. Not a saviour just of our own foolishness, not a saviour just from the little consequences day to day, 
but a a saviour from the great consequence of the just judgment of God. In Jesus, who came at that first Christmas, God says, don't worry. He says, all is forgiven in him. Water runs the bridge. Let's start afresh. If you turn back to me and say yes to my son, the Lord Jesus. And so we can have a happy fellowship at that table, a happy communion as we'll enjoy after the service. Restored relationship, not just within our earthly family, but restored relationship with our heavenly father now and in eternity. Good news of great joy. And that is the glorious mystery that we were singing about of Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the Lord Jesus born that first Christmas. Thank you for the great gift we have in him. Thank you for all he means to us now and forever. In his name, amen. Thank you, Edward. Well, we have opportunities in the rest of the service to uh, turn back to God. If you've never done that, um, all of us need to do that regularly anyway. And there's a a confession prayer we've got now. It says, um, bravely, silence is kept at a point there. We, We don't mind too much if there's a bit of noise, but this is a point in the service where we can be quiet and just take time with God to turn back to him. So I'm going to lead us in the the prayer there. There's some words where we join in uh, at the appropriate point. Christ, the light of the world, has come to dispel the darkness of our hearts. In his light, let us examine ourselves and confess our sins. We confess our unworthiness to stand in your presence as your children. We have sinned. Forgive and heal us. The Virgin Mary accepted your call to be the mother of Jesus. Forgive our disobedience to your will. We have sinned. Forgive and heal us. Your Son, our Saviour, was born in poverty in a manger. Forgive our greed and rejection of your ways. We have sinned. Forgive and heal us. The shepherds left their flocks to go to Bethlehem. Forgive our self-interest and lack of vision. We have sinned. Forgive and heal us. The wise men followed the star to find Jesus the King. Forgive our reluctance to seek you. We have sinned. Forgive and heal us. Remember that message of the angel, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. It fits in well with the promise given earlier to Mary. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, the angel said to Joseph. We rejoice in that gift of a saviour, to save your people from their sins. Thank you that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We thank you that Jesus 
has overcome that darkness by his death for our sins. In his name, amen. We get to stand to sing again, and then we'll have some prayers, and the Smith family are going to lead us in prayer after this next song. Let's stand to sing. Take a seat.
pray. Dear God, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus, full of grace and truth. Help us to see his glory and to welcome him afresh into our hearts today, our gentle Saviour and Holy Lord. Amen. Amen. Dear God, your Son came as a light shining in the darkness. We pray for our world and for all those places this morning where there is war or sadness, for places where the weather is cold or where there isn't enough water. We pray for all our mission partners around the world this Christmas that they would be joyful in telling others the good news of our Saviour. Amen. Dear God, your Son was born as one of us and knows our weakness and our suffering. We pray for all those we know who are poorly. We pray too for those who mourn, especially today for the Penn family as they mourn Nigel and the Toll family as they mourn Edward. Merciful Lord, would you have your hand of comfort and blessing on all who suffer, bringing them your peace. Amen. Dear God, your son was born into our family who loved him as we spent time with our family this Christmas. Please bring us joy. Thank you that all that believe in Jesus can be welcome into your family forever. Amen. Amen. And now we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you very much, Phoebe. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Philippa, for leading us in prayer. I had one other thank you to pass on. This is not for me to say thanks, but thank you from Angela Palmer. I know a lot of people have been praying for her. It is lovely that she's out of hospital for Christmas, and she wanted to say thank you to those who've been praying for her. So let me pass that news on. I had a, a happy time having communion with her and her sister and her brother-in-law um, on Friday or Saturday, I can't remember which it was, but uh, she sends her love to regulars at the church here. Just a reminder that God is not just one to believe in, but to trust, and the, the steady trust Angela and others who've been having tough times in the church family have had is a little reminder of what it is to be in a personal relationship with God, which is uh, what we're going to focus on as we prepare for our last him now. There's a declaration of faith on the service sheet going up on the screen. I'll ask some questions. We don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. If you're 